Hello. Hello, hello. What's up, Dom? Nothing. How are you? Good. How's it going? Good. I just got back from uh, being in my old college neighborhood. Oh, how was that? It was all right. Uh, good friend of the show, uh, Blue Shirts Breakaway co-host Ryan Mead is yes. down for a uh, convention today. For his are job. you seeing him after this? No, I, I was just hanging out with them, actually. Oh, nice. How's uh, he doing? That is cool. Recovering from all the activity today. Yeah, I think you know he was mostly just uh, working all day, and then obviously snuck in to get a, uh, a podcast in. So shouts to him. That dude. Yeah, I'm gonna listen tomorrow. Yeah, I, I was listening to that. All the other trade uh, breakdowns. Um, well, while while we're here, while we're opening, give me your uh, give me your thoughts on the Ryan McDonough trade. We talked a little bit, but what are you thinking now? I mean, it's it's one thing I always say with hockey is that whenever there's guys traded in the NBA. And for the most part, the NFL, because there's not prospects per se. I know who they all are, and I know what to expect out of Detroit. With hockey, I'm always sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I have no idea who these guys are. So someone needs to tell me because they are way smarter than I am. Yeah. So I look Pro- at that, I, and I NHL prospects are just so deep. You know, it's, it's tough. There, there's so many because there's so many different leagues. So like, I know Nemesnikov, and I know he's pretty good. Exactly. I know Nemesnikov's pretty good. You know, getting a couple picks was good. It did seem like. The return left a bit to be desired, considering it was both McDonough and JT one piece Miller. Short, right? it was, yeah, it and like it, it, it almost short. seemed like it seemed like they went the route of quantity over quality. Because sure. I was looking at that and I said it, it felt like they should have been able to get Sergeyev or Braden Point for those two guys, and then maybe that guy, and then one other asset. But instead, they took the bucket of assets, which I don't know if a trade with Point or Sergeyev was on the table. But if it was, I mean, I think that might have made. A little more sense, but yeah. sometimes you got to look at it like this. They were going to have to pay these guys anyways, and it's yeah. like, well, Nemestikov is a uh, is a restricted free agent at the end of the season too. Right, so they'll be able to bring him back on a team friendly deal, hopefully a and little cheaper. When do you know when uh, Ryan Spooner's contract is up? It's either after this year or next year, because yeah. the he, problem with Spooner is that when they had him, Miller, and Hayes, those guys all play in a similar vein. So I thought they should only have kept two of the three. And, and Spooner's you know, like I said, I think the return dollar. should have been a little higher, but yeah. you had to move one of them. I, I'm waiting. I'm going to I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to take a look tomorrow. I'm going to look at the Grabner trade. I'm going to look at the Holden trade. I'm going to look at the Nash trade and I'm going to look at the McDonough trade. Yeah, crazy. All the and Miller in there, too. It's crazy that like this entire roster just got gutted. But I commend them for going for it. No, it uh, hurts because the first team that. I always was a Rangers fan, but the first team that I really committed to loving was that 2013-14 team oh, that made God, the Stanley dude, Cup final. Dude, I mean, and so uh, it yeah. was, you know, McDonough and then even other guys that were great on that team because it was Broussard, Pouliot, Zuccarello was the great line. And yeah. then you had Richards you had who had the there. big goal in game seven. Haglin, exactly. Brian Boyle, I a, Dominic Moore. I was Moore. a big Dominic Moore fan. I have a Dominic yeah, dude, Moore jersey. Awesome. I have a Dominic oh, Moore fucking jersey in my closet. That right goal now. in game six against the Habs. Absolutely. That's what I bought it right after. I was hanging out with some friends from home that night, and it was one of those things where I said, I'm going to get drunk either way, but I want this to be a happy drunk, yeah. so please, God. I, I hadn't seen him in a while. I was like, please, God, make this be a good night and not just me get, being upset about going back to Montreal for a Game 7. So that was, what, like four years ago now? Yeah, so, I was a freshman in college. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, yeah, I was going into uh, – yeah, I think I was going into my sophomore year, or maybe maybe yeah. it was a year after. No, it was a year after. I was going into my junior year. But uh-huh. – uh, um, I remember being at my buddy's house back in Long Island to spend the summer there, and uh, he had a, a brother who's, you know, probably about 11 or 12 or so, like, you know, maybe 
yeah, I don't know, pushing five feet or so. You know, yep. fucking stick. And <laughs> when uh, as soon as Moore put that goal away, um, I remember picking that kid up and he had like a uh, cup of fruit punch in his hand. And like and oh, it's gone. His, his whole family, I mean, we're celebrating in the family living room with his mom and dad and everyone. Like the whole family is huge fans. And so we all start like we flipped the table, the whole the whole, uh, you yeah, know, we're all going nuts because they're going back to the cup. And I remember yeah. picking this kid up and like basically hoisting him up in the air like he's Simba <laughs> and like fruit punch all over the ceiling. It was and they oh, weren't even mad. The ceiling. They weren't even mad. They didn't give a shit. Oh, they, were, they were like, yeah, that's, I was going to say, you don't care what happens at no, that that's point. That's a Stanley Cup memory right there. Oh, oh there's nothing like hockey playoffs. Just every goal oh, is, oh is just the best thing ever. And that's why it sucks that the Rangers are rebuilding now. Cause even the past couple of years, I mean, last year they did better in the playoffs that I would have expected, but a couple of years ago when they played the pens and they just got blown yeah. out, like at least they were there and it was I still mean, fun to root for. I feel like in a lot of ways, looking back on this era, they were always kind of living above their potential. You know, they, they always succeeded a little bit more than better teams around them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cause of Lundqvist really. Yeah. I mean, it's cause of Lundqvist. It's cause of a variety of reasons, but you know, the, you know, the fact that they got it that far, the fact that they were able to build like such another, Obviously, I'm not going to call them a Rangers dynasty, but just like the fact that they were able to, you know, really, I feel like encompass a whole new fan base and bring a whole nother like group of fans into the mix. Like, you know, I, I probably I think I got into the Rangers like maybe the playoff season before the Stanley Cup year. And like my, uh-huh. my family was never hockey fans. You know, I had some cousins that were big into it. Like I had some friends that were big into it. But, you know, I I, I started watching hockey. You know, I think that was the uh, Eastern Conference final year the year before that. So. Yeah, you know, I was always into it, and I would always watch the playoffs. Yeah, it was supportive. just that yeah. thirteen, fourteen, like because I can remember. I think it was twenty eleven. They played the Caps in a game seven, and they beat them like six to one. And Aaron Ash had the first goal, and I was listening on the radio, and I was like, "Let's go!" By the time I got home, it was already three one, and then they were smooth sailing from there. And Brad Richards' goal against the Caps late in the game, mm-hmm. and then Stahl had the overtime winner. Oh, mm-hmm. some great hockey moments. There's just. There's really nothing like playoff hockey, which is it's a little disappointing. The Rangers presumably won't be there. That's okay. For, I, obviously, this I, I year really, and then next year, but it'll be worth it. You know, I, I again, kind of a, a fairly newer fan, but I've not had a, uh, I've not experienced a true Rangers rebuild before. But I, I do think they're going to do it. You know, kind of, kind of Yankee style. You know, yeah. I go through. I don't think I think that they actually have some decent assets. They're fucking loaded with draft picks. You know, yes. Heedle and Anderson, I think, are going to be something for real. Um, yep. So, I'm, I'm, it's like, yeah, we're not going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a, a next year is not about wins. Next year is not about deep playoff positioning or anything like that. But I'm still exactly. excited to watch them. Excited to see this new era of Rangers hockey get, uh, you know, get brought in. I'm excited to see Captain Zuccarello out there. Mm. Um, I mean, he might get traded. Around the uh, draft, but we'll see. Draft, but, we can see it, yeah. But if, if if he sticks around, he's captain. Like you know, Devron loves Zook. I mean, I, it's I still have reasons to be excited about the uh, about the Rangers rebuild next year. It's going to be prettier than the next one. And I think that's yeah, kind of uh, yeah. Go ahead. To, to close it out, yeah. that's what I was going to say is that it feels nice because it's how I felt with the Yankees and certainly with the Giants. It feels nice to, as a fan, be on the same page as your team and have faith that they're going to do what you want them to do. Yeah. It feels nice. Because we can't always say that for the Knicks. Can we ever say that for the Knicks? No, no absolutely not. <laughs> and, and that's the whole thing. Like, it's a sad, it's really a sad day. Like, you know, it's been a sad week. You know, that's this is 
I mean, I'm not even going to count Holden here, but we'll say Grabner, uh, Nash, JT Miller, and Ryan McDonough have been four huge cogs in the Rangers over the last you know couple of years. So yeah. you know, it's, specifically it's, McDonough and Nash because those guys have been here. Yeah, but even even since you know. Yeah, but forever, even Grabner was leading the the team in goals at certain points, and he last was, couple of years. Yep. Yeah, they, you know, he always gave you something. Yeah, he went cold sometimes, but he gave you something when he was giving you something. And JT yep. Miller was a homegrown kid, you know. Yep, and but, he's been around forever. Like I remember when he first yeah. came up, and I think he wore forty six yep. and, and scored his first goal in a game. Forty seven, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, but but you know, at the same time, like I feel like they sold all these guys when they had to. Absolutely. You know, even I McDonough, agree. they could have waited a little longer on, and they get they moved him now. And I'm just like, all right, pull the bandaid off. Let's get this yep. going. Just do it all. Yep. All right, you want to talk Knicks? Let's do it. Alrighty. And welcome, everybody, to the TKW podcast. We're back. All-Star break is over. Um, we have a couple of games under our belt to talk about now. Unfortunately, I'm not uh, joined by my usual co-host, by uh, you know Kyle Maggio, but I am joined by the ever-wonderful Matt, uh, Matt Spendley. Yeah, I almost forgot your last name there for a second, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's almost like I've never been on here before or something I know, like right? that. You know, it's it's definitely not my not my first show. Intro sweats, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, so welcome back. How many times have I been on now? Like four? Four or five, yeah. Something just, like that. We did that whole draft thing last year too, but yeah. Uh, you're not a guest anymore. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh like I was saying, we're back. We've got uh got a couple games under our belt. Most notably, we just got uh beat down by the Warriors. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you saw from that? I'm looking through these, the uh, box score right now, and I'm seeing, you know, Moutier with a pretty big game, uh, looking like he he finally had a decent start as a Nick. Has it, did he hit a three in this game? Three threes. He hit three threes, so finally broke yes. that. Yes. Um, so he was yeah. 0 of 13 before tonight, 3 of 5 tonight. Okay. Well, that's that's. I'm not uh, convinced by that, but by all means, I'll take it. Uh, a couple other guys looking like they're having decent games, decent scoring games at least. A couple of donuts around the board. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you tell me about what you saw first? So I'll give you a quick rundown. Yep. Um, so go into halftime up one, 64-63, just like they did when they played in Golden State. When you remember, they went out there and blitzed them in the first half. It's ridiculous how quickly Golden State can just turn it on and off, though, because you could tell they were just kind of lollygagging around on defense. And then Golden State just came out in the third quarter and put the clamps on and outscored the Knicks by 21 in the third quarter to make the lead huge. But that's not the heat over there. We weren't expecting the Knicks to win this game. Some encouraging signs, which is all we can really look for this time of the year. Moutier looked good. He had 18 points in the first half, um, hit a couple threes, which was nice to see. He still gets lost on defense sometimes. I just I, I find that he's looking around. You know, he's pretty physical when he does get those one-on-one matchups, but you can tell, like, there was one time when he was on the wing guarding Steph, and when you're guarding a guy like Steph, you can't slouch for a second or else he's gone, and he yeah. managed to recover and block a Steph shot, but it's, it's, it's just a lot of those I feel like moments. he's kind of he's well-built for a point guard. 
Yeah, and, he's because he's stout and he's strong. Yeah, yeah, but I it's I would expect him to be more uh, aware on defense, I guess. But you know, this it's not like we're we acquired a top prospect when we got him. We knew we got damaged goods, and we're going to see what we can make of him. Right, you know, a guy that was the seventh pick a couple years ago, but has had his share of worries and struggles. And you always see you always see the things from Moutier that encourage you and then discourage you every game. It's very rare, and I haven't seen it yet where he's had a game where I don't go. Okay, that's really good, but that's exactly the things that he does that are bad. Like he still makes really careless passes. He had no turnovers, but he had a couple where he would lob it into you know the post and they kind of fumble around with it. The Knicks got lucky and got it back. Um, he does have really good vision, and I really like a couple of things he does. He's really adept at getting in the pick and roll and knowing where his shooters are. There was one play where he came into a pick and roll with Kyle Quinn, so he comes up and dribbles to the foul line and then did like a James Harden wet pass over his head to Neil Aquina. Curry guarded Neil Aquina pretty well on the three-point line, so he wasn't able to get the shot off. But it's those kind of passes that make you think that given you know a better team and maybe some better shooters around him, that he can set these guys up. So and I'm kind of mid- cu- I'm kind of curious about that yep. right there. Um, yep. I was I was gonna say you know obviously I think there is a lot to like about Moody. I think a lot of it is like you're saying he's got good vision. He he kind of is starting to get a feel for where he needs to be on the court. I think he's starting to develop a little bit of a chemistry with some of these guys out there, but. You know, when it's all said and done, like the whole point of doing this rebuild here is to eventually make something out of this. So let's say Moutier sticks around through this rebuild for a while. He's on the team for a couple of years and, you know, they develop into something potentially worthwhile. Um, what what kind of role do you envision him in the future? Well, that's my thing with Moutier. I think that in all likelihood, he'll end up playing this year, or next year. And I just don't know if I really see where any super high potential lies with him. So I think we'll see him do a lot of these. He'll have these games where he scored 20 points. But for example, you know, tonight he out, goes out there and scores 20 points and seven assists. But he had the worst plus minus of any Nick on the floor. And a lot of that's attributed to their struggles in the third quarter. But right. at the Leading same time, time, it's something just throwing it away. Right. But and that's, I don't want to pin all of that on him, but after, you know, he had 18 points and five assists at halftime. And then he finished with 20 and seven. So we see him go through these lulls of inconsistency and the advanced numbers have never been kind to him. And I don't think that can be our only gauge of talent, but it also is an important one. And it's something to track as he finishes the year here with the Knicks and then into next year. For now, it's almost just a footnote because if he's bad, we don't really care because we want the Knicks to be bad. But it's something to consider moving forward. So like you brought up when he is eventually a free agent after next year and the Knicks are saying, should we bring this guy back? That's the question. And I'll, I'll ask you really quick, because this is something that I talked to with um, some people on Slack tonight, is that the Moutier Frank backcourt, I always thought of it as a good experiment. It hasn't really worked all that well thus far. Yeah. So how have you felt about that thus far? I, I'm willing to roll with it. Like, I, I'm not willing to take this sample size as being the definition of it. Like, yep. my my whole opinion of that is, like, I, I don't... You know, listen, I don't think Frank is very used to playing off the ball in that kind of role. I don't think that it's the, uh, you know, most natural fit for him. I also don't think that Frank looks like a natural point guard out there. You know, it's kind of... I was about to get to this point, too, and we're going to get to Trey Burke in a few minutes, too, but mm-hmm. we've got... You know, we've got these three point guards here. And real quick before I go on to any more about the the pairing, 
just looking at Moutier on his own as like the reason why you can, you know, other than just this just being not about winning games anymore and more about evaluating talent. The reason why you can have Emmanuel Moutier out there right now is because you ideally you would have Frank Nielakina and Trey Burke to cover his slack. And then you have guys like Courtney Lee uh, who can also step in and fill that role when all else fails. So, you know, I, I, I look at the, the Moutier and the Frank backcourt pairing, and I'm just like, I'll roll it out to the end of the season. I don't, it, if it looks that bad at the end of the season and there's no progress at all, then you got to look to change it up. But if you're starting to see signs of something developing there and you're starting to see signs of two guys knowing to play each other, and you're start, especially you're starting to see signs of Frank Nielakina looking comfortable on the court and looking like he's starting to develop a game of his own and not just, you know, finding where he needs to be or, you know, you know um, emulating other players out there, then the whole thing is worthwhile. And then, you know, all the while you have this mystery of Trey Burke who tore up the Westchester team earlier in the year, and all of a sudden these last couple of games has looked uh, very comfortable and very good out there. Yep. Um, so I guess unless you have anything more to say about the Neil Keenan Moutier pairing, I kind of want to get around what you're making of this whole Trey Burke explosion. I'll get to Trey Burke in a second. I want yeah. to note one more thing because I know you missed the game tonight, so I got to fill you in. Yes, yes, please. Frank set career high for field goal attempts tonight and tied his career high in points. So he's yeah. like 12 shots, 13 points. Um, you know, some of that comes off of the pick and rolls. He had a really nice back cut with O'Quinn where he was, he kind of the play they used to run with McDermott where he would stand on the wing and they would set the screen. And sometimes McDermott would take the screen. Sometimes he'd cut it early and before the defense would come to uh, have them assume they're going to take the screen. And then he cut and Neil Kina did that. So he came before the defense could get ready. O'Quinn gave him the really nice pass and he laid it in. I, wonder exactly how much more we'll see of these lineups with Moody starting. Cause it's been a little bit of a jumble now for Hornacek as he's tried to solidify the rotations. And we've also seen Neil Akina and Burke play more cause they're both coming off the bench. And the thing with Moody too is I talked a little bit about his advanced numbers and it's a really small sample size. Keep in mind cause he's only played five now, six games with the Knicks. But before tonight, the lineups with him have been pretty atrocious and the lineups with, you know, Burke and Frank have not been quite as atrocious. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. So the Moody, Hardaway, Lee B's Cantor has played like 35 minutes together and they've been bad offensively. They've been fine defensively, like passable for this team. But then the other two lineups, which is going to change after tonight is the Burke, Neil Aquina, Thomas O'Quinn core of a bench unit. And then if you throw in Damian Dotson or Troy Williams, again, really limited time, but they've been really good. And I think they've played like, you know, 12 minutes together total. So we're looking at minuscule sample sizes here. Cause it's a small, small amount of games that right. Rudy has been in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah but we still, you got to take what we can see and apply the numbers, but the numbers aren't going to mean anything until the end of the year. That's when we look yeah, at them and we can I, I, I think use I, them through a lens. That's the point I'm trying, I, I you know, mean to make from the very beginning is that, you know, yes. I'm willing to try whatever until the end of the year. And anything, I, I'm, I'm literally willing, anything. Yeah. I'm willing to let Frank, <laughs> uh, I'm willing to let him develop into the player that he's going to become. You know, like I, I'm for the rest of this year, at least I'm done trying to force expectations on Frank Nielakina. I am just, you know, and I don't know how this whole backcourt trio is going to work out. This whole point guard trio they have going on, uh, which does not include Jared Jack, thankfully. 
But um, did you play again? Yeah, not another DMP, no which is fine. Um, but it, it's just like you know, if, if Frank ends up becoming more of like an attacking guard, then that's fine. If he becomes a you know, if he develops his passing game and he feels comfortable with that, that's fine. If he's more of a defensive, you know, defense only guy and can put you know, can support some other guys on the court with occasional scoring or you know, even occasional playmaking surrounded against a different guy who's running more of that, that's fine too. I just like. You know, I, I this this is now complete trial and error as far as I'm concerned. It, yeah, it's I just, just I love Frankie's jumper. It's so smooth when he it, puts it, it is, in. It's just it, oh, my it looks heart. Like he should be my more confident melts. in it, right? Yes, I agree. Like he had a couple today when he comes off the screen, and I'd rather him shoot a three instead of a two from you know 20 feet away, which right. is kind of what he likes to do right now. Right. But he'll come off that screen and he just comes right into it. Jumper goes right up, and it's beautiful. Like he, it's probably his most efficient shot. I'd have to look at his shot chart, but. I think he with a it's full, just I think he's he got a nice jump in with a you know I mean a full summer to kind of like work on his game how he wants to work it you know he's got a little experience he's a little less shell shocked from coming right into New York you know I I'm just excited to see the player because especially with KP out now too like he doesn't have to support uh you know he doesn't have to support KP's game so much right now he can kind of mm-hmm. come into his own he's kind of the hope at this moment you know while we have Porzingis on hold for a year. We have, we have, you know, yeah, but we have this developing prospect who not much is known about, not much of a ceiling is known about, not much of a floor is known about. Um, and we could kind of let him come into his own thing. And meanwhile, we're getting a look at, you know, Moody, who has been on the team's radar and fans radar for a while. And we have a proper time to evaluate him and worst case scenario that he doesn't work out and he gets buried for, you know, the next season, which doesn't really matter anyway. And then we also have this enigma of Trey Burke, who is flamed out around the league and all of a sudden is putting up, you know, damn near 20 points in the last three games. Mm-hmm. So Trey Burke is a free agent after the season. The Knicks have the ability to guarantee his contract for $1.9 million, I believe. It's non-guaranteed right now, so they can cut him without any repercussions, but I think that they can guarantee his contract next year for just a little under 2 million if they so choose which so this why experiment, not right yeah because so excellent <laughs> so he's been damn good the last three games going for yes. we have another year to play around here so that's why I, I have no i'm in no rush to move moody a off the starting lineup i'm in no, no I, I think in, it still I'm makes in, sense i'm in no rush in any way shape or form with anything with this team the more you can't we, be the upset more with anything now the more disappointed we're going to be earlier on and then the longer it's going to feel like porzingis is out for us Correct. I noted this. I noted this in my piece over at great website called the today. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Oh, the Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, So the point guards have been playing over 20 minutes a game. I don't know what else we could ask for as fans. Is there anything else you could ask for? That's the only thing we've asked for all year. other thing I can ask for is I don't want to see 26 Michael Beasley minutes. Like I'd much rather see Luke Hornick into the game. Yeah, we had bad bees today. He was played yeah. 25 minutes and he had two points, one yeah. of seven from the floor. He's yeah. low-key a good passer when he wants to be. 
He's got this but knack just, for driving to the rim and finding his shooters, but he just most of the time decides that, nah, he's going to try to shoot it. Like, cause, he's you got know, he's no, a bucket. He's got a reputation to keep up. He's all, I think, I feel like he's just all instinct, you know? Like, he, he yeah, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have, I feel like he just doesn't use, either doesn't have or doesn't use the mentality to take himself kind of out of the role that he's used to being in and move into more of a supporter role. He's just he is all such a like, confounding basketball player because he's really good at basketball i just don't know if he is a good basketball player if that makes any sense it's I, just the, don't it's... Think he, I just don't think he's the kind of guy who's and i feel like this is this is the same way with a lot of guys in the league i feel like i just don't feel like he's made to play 82 games like i feel like he'd be like extraordinary if he played like you know twice a week once a week yeah i just think that the know? thing with him is the same problem that you have with ennis Cantor, which is that if he's on your team and playing real minutes Maybe you can win if you have some other guys, you know, around him 38 games, but you can't win 50 plus games if you have one of those guys playing serious minutes. It's just not going to happen. I, I just feel like Cantor doesn't force it quite as much, you know? He does at times. Right. I, I, I'm Cantor not... does this thing, man. Like, I, I yeah. commend Cantor because he goes out there and he works hard every day. He puts up points and boards, but Cantor has at, the, at exact the end of the game. day, he's got the exact game I play, like in, in 2K, and like when I'm actually trying to play basketball against much much shorter people and less athletic people, of course. But you know, it's just hang around the basket, box it out, grab some rebounds, and put them right back in. That's that's easy points, easy money. That's all you got to do. I don't think I've ever had the problem of playing against much shorter people when I'm playing basketball. <laughs> Usually, like you know, around my height. Yeah, no, around my and height too. Him. But I always, I always played. Too. I was always like you know, the significant two or three inches taller than like most people in my class so i would play like you know a four or five when i was playing you know basketball in school so i just had oh hell yeah oh yeah but yeah all right let's hop over to trey burke for a second because i didn't want to lose sight of that part uh so before tonight he had played back-to-back games 25 minutes for the first time since january 2016 he played 24 tonight so that streak was broken but that was just the arbitrary point that i cut off so and also the first time in his career that he had had back-to-back 25 point games. And then he had 18 again tonight, which, you know, he had those games when he was in Utah the first year, especially because he played some big minutes and was seeing plenty of burn. And he was putting up 13 points a game. I think he was like 12.7 as a rookie, something like that. But he's just, he's a very good shooter. And he does a lot of things in the pick and roll. And as a spot up shooter, that I didn't see from him before this year because I was very skeptical and have made it known that anyone that is a big believer in Trey Burke is going to be disappointed. I still generally think that, but I do not feel as strongly as I once did about it because he's shown a bit of a more, you know, believable skill set, one that is sustainable and one that he can continue to grow on because it's things that I hadn't seen him do. And he had one really nice pass to Kylo Quinn today. And I just kind of sat there and I said, I haven't seen him do this in his NBA career in, you know, four years. And yeah. it's something they mentioned on the broadcast that when he went to Westchester, the one thing that he really thought that he needed to improve upon to be able to stay in the NBA and become a rotation player was his point guard skills because we I, always knew he could score. Yeah. That was a part of the game that had to come along. Right. I think he's a legitimately motivated player. Yes, there's no doubt. He yeah. talked a lot about his religion. Did you read about that? I think I caught I saw the headline on that. I didn't catch that piece yet. Yes, yeah, so he was just saying how it's something that keeps him striving for more and it gave him a peace of mind and it it's something that he right? needed. 
what you say? He just seems disciplined. Like he, yes, he, he seems like he's now a veteran where he's been through this ringer. He realizes what mistakes he's made over the last couple of years. And I feel like, yeah. you know, where the Knicks are right now, and you have a guy that you can lock up for 1.9 million who's given you 20 points in three straight games off the bench, more or less, you know, averaged over 20 points in that time. Like, you got nothing to lose there. Exactly. And he, he tore up your Westchester team all year, too. Like, like you got nothing. There's nothing to lose by bringing Trey Burke back, you know? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with some of these other players. I'm going to save that for a future pod. Uh, yeah, that's something we can. That'll kinda, be like kinda, our post mortem yeah. after everything's over. Who's coming back and who's not? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of tease this for. I kind of wanted to do this in the next week or two. Just kind of evaluate the uh, evaluate the roster we have now. Look at some free agents and then uh, and then go from there. But yeah, yeah. As, as getting back to just Trey Burke for a sec. Like, I just I don't see. You know, the whole the competition amongst point guards is, is also going to be healthy and also probably produces a little anxiety amongst the three of them uh, because there's no way the three of them stick around long term. And, you know, I, it's I, I like that they're not just handing Frank what he needs, what he, you know, what the fans are calling that he be handed the starting job. Yes, you know, the, I could not agree more. Right. Uh, you you know, don't want to overwhelm him. No, you don't want to overwhelm him. He's clearly not ready. Like, yes. He's and it's pretty clear he's not going to be ready this year. But games like tonight, that's fine. you know, just just from what you've been saying and looking at the score and everything, like game like games like tonight are what we want to see. We want to see him putting shots up. We want to see him looking confident out there. The more games he has like this, like all I care about is that he has a couple more like this throughout the season. If he can bring this with some consistency, keep a little run going, and then you know, and then he takes that into the summer. He does with that what he feels, and then I feel like we we'll see a far more developed player come October next year. And then, yeah. And then, you know, who knows where that'll go until KK comes back and then who knows where the team is from there. You know, it, it's, it's a mysterious time we live in. And we know how young he is. We've made this clear. I don't think people have talked about it quite as much as people have talked about Jason Tatum being young, which <laughs> interestingly has quieted down as he's played worse Hmm. But like, makes you think. It, I'm it, talking about yeah. Jason Tatum here, not Frank. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel. I feel you. It's the but, same thing. I still think that Jason Tatum's an amazing prospect. Like, I, I, I oh, don't hit me with that. No, I'm sorry. No, I can't hear. I can't hear the facts about Jason Tatum. My brain doesn't let me do it. You understand? <laughs> it's like how I can't hear the facts about Dennis Smith. Like, you can tell me he's good, and I can acknowledge that on a very shallow level, but my brain says, no, you can't think that. No, my can, heart says it. You know, it's, it's like the combination between the two. I can acknowledge Tatum all day. <laughs> it, it's it's freaking like Donovan Mitchell and... and you know, Donovan Mitchell's so fucking good. Oh, yeah, my God. It's the, the, right. the other guys I can't take, but yeah. The thing I was going to say about Frank is that they... I mentioned this on the broadcast tonight, too. Hornacek was saying how Frank didn't even lift weights in France. So he's coming to New York. That's not a surprise he, to me. Yeah, you look at his body, he's gangly, you know, he's, it's not even like he had much tone on his arms. Like, sometimes you'll see these guys come in, and they have that vascular strength. Like, even Steph, when he was in college, like, you know, he was really skinny, but you could tell at least he was doing something. Um, so, you got a guy that's coming from France that was mostly deferring to his teammates during his entire time in France. It's a totally different type of basketball they play over there. They're expected to defer. A lot of these guys that come to college. So if you're looking at someone like Donovan Mitchell, who was the best player on a premier ACC team, 
it's a completely different mindset that these guys have coming into the NBA. And this is why I don't have any long-term worries for Frank. I don't know how great he's going to be, but we have to feel pretty good about where he's come and where he's going to go because the signs that he's shown and the fact that he's come to New York, he's done some things. Well, we see these flashes where those are the kind of things that we can compare him to Moody. So follow me here. You take Moody. And I mentioned it before you watch him play. And more often than not, I go, those are the things that people talk about him doing poorly. Right. And that's why he struggles still. You look at Frank and we also say that, but he's also young and has two years less experience than Moody. Mm -hmm. So you hope any hope of the prospect is that those things start to dissipate and the flashes that you see of them being great start to encapsulate their game and start to seep through every part of the game. So you see those signs less because every player has their flaws, but the great ones can mask them so well with the other things that they do on the basketball court that make you be in awe. So I still have very high hopes for Frank. I think I'm going to die on that hill until he's out of the NBA. If he all of a sudden just can't play offense, can't contribute and continues. He's been a really bad advanced stats guy too this year, which take it as you will. I don't, I don't really put much stock into it for a guy like him, but I, I don't either. Cause it's just like, like he doesn't have a game yet. You know, you can see it when he's out there. You can see that he is like, he doesn't know. I, I just feel like he doesn't know when to pass and when to shoot yet. And it's the problem because he he's played with, He's played with some bad lineups because Zach yeah. Lowe talked about it in his piece this week, how the Knicks bench units have often been devoid of shooters because it's been him. It's been Lance Thomas. It's been Kyle O'Quinn. You know, these guys are not helping to space the floor at all. Right. And then and you got Beasley who's going to go and do whatever the fuck he wants. Exactly. And if he's playing with Bees, like pre-KP, when he's playing with Bees, Bees is also not a three-point shooter. No. So all of a sudden you're looking and you're relying on a guy. Bees is to, not a three-point shooter, and you're not going to be able to like get any real playmaking shots in there either. Exactly. And you're relying on a guy to run the offense and also do it while you don't have much spacing. And it's just asking a lot and putting him in a bad situation. And I think that's why his advanced stats don't look pretty because a lot of the lineups he was playing with weren't great because we saw it's something that we talked about a lot is that he looked good with KP and his numbers with KP were good. His net rating and his numbers in the pick and roll were better with KP on the floor, which is to be expected when you have a player of his caliber next to you as a big man. So that's the kind of thing that you got to look at. You always take the little nuggets that you can find that are positive and hope that they become Trends when a guy rather than outliers. Yeah, when a guy is 19 years old, coming from France, playing a, you know, playing point guard, a position that's immaculately hard to hard to uh, to even learn, and then you lose yes. a, a for a Knicks team that was already dysfunctional from the start, and then you lose your franchise player. Like, I'm not putting much stock in the stats for Frank at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I would tend to agree. I test or nothing. We'll see what we see. And then I, I again like everything about Frank is just like I'm talking about with uh, with Trey Burke before. Everything with Frank uh, points to the direction that he he's in this to win this. He's got a good mindset. He he seems humble. He seems willing to learn. So you know if that's what I can get out of the you know eighth pick in the draft this year for a team that's going to be shit for two years anyway, I'll take that. I'm patient. I can handle it. 
My uh, love for Frank really knows no bounds. I just enjoy watching him play. I think he's a really funny guy. Uh, yeah, Everything I, about I, him. I, I just like really Frank. like it. I, I liked like it from Frank. the beginning. You can go back. You go back and listen. Last year when we talked about this, I think I was always off the Dennis Smith bandwagon. And I always said from the beginning, I think from lottery night, that Neil Aquino was the guy that was likely to go to the Knicks. So Look, man, I've been on I'm, this for a while. I can't leave now. I'm totally. I'm, I'm just looking at the windshield now. I, I'm, I'm strapped I, in. I got like, no. I, I got no. No rear view. No uh, Dennis Smith Jr. There's no <laughs> Donovan Mitchell in my rear view. There's nothing like that. I'm just looking ahead. We'll see where we go. We'll. See. They have me strapped in like Hannibal Lecter when they bring him out of the prison in, in Silence of the Lambs. That's how they put me on the train. That's how committed I am to this. And don't tell me about how he got out of it. I don't want to hear that because that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so speaking of bringing in, so I was going to use that as my segue here. Yes. Um, I am about ready to call our good buddy from the Knicks wall, Nick Scalero, onto the show. He is going to be talking to us about the Westchester Knicks and kind of what's been going on with them since they've lost Trey Burke, Luke Cornett, and, uh, and Isaiah Hicks. He is a uh, he he's he attends a couple of games a year usually he's our eye to the uh, to the ground there so I'm gonna call Nick in and I hope y'all. All right, and we are back. On the TKW podcast, we have brought in a good friend of ours, Nick Scalero. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the Westchester Knicks. Uh, weird saying Knicks and then Nick after. after <laughs> right. So, anyway, Nick, what's going on? How are you, man? I'm good, fellas. How about you? Doing well. Doing, doing well, doing man. Well, we just broke down a little bit about uh, yeah, the Warriors game. We talked about Moutier, Burke, Frank, all the good stuff. Now we're here to talk about the Westchester Knicks. So we... Uh, you know, they lost Trey Burke a little while ago, and now Luke Cornett mm-hmm. and Isaiah Hicks are up with the big team now. I know that I've been seeing Xavier Wraith and Mays going nuts up there, but uh, what else are you seeing with the team? Can you tell me a little bit more about how he's been playing? What have you been noticing? Well, I've noticed that Coach Miller has been done an excellent job in, in continuing to have his guys motivated despite losing two, three of his top best players for in Hicks, Burke, and Cornette. So, I mean, I was there on last Wednesday, and they seemed to not miss a beat at all. And just XRM is playing with such great intensity at this point in the season, and he's become like a leader. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the NBA level at some point. Yeah, he's been damn good. I mean, how many triple-doubles does he have this season? He's got a couple, right? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, I think he's got around three, and he. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging. There, he was just attacking. Yeah, yeah he's, he's averaging like seventeen. You know, seven and seven. Mm-hmm. I was looking up too. He leads the G League in defensive win shares. It's pretty impressive. Wow. So what? What about it? Is he actually doing out there? Is it? Is it? Uh, well, is is his shooting? Is his playmaking? What's What's developing? I think it's mostly his playmaking. To be honest with you, I know I noticed it, how vocal he was on the team, and he's become the clear leader since Trey Burke um, got promoted to the NBA. Um, he's definitely like a coach on a second extension of coach Miller on the floor. Like I noticed how vocal he is and he's always bearing down on defense, always knows what's going on in the middle of the huddle and in the middle of a loose ball scrap. Like he's, he's showing why like he deserves to be promoted or at least given a shot in the NBA. 
I mean, in college, he was he was really good offensively. I don't know if you guys remember. He scored yeah thirty points in four minutes. Yeah, oh, final four incredible. minutes of a game, and just and like he his offensive potential is there. And, and I mean, he's not the best shooter in the world, but he makes up what he lacks in shooting. He makes up for it in intensity and and grit. I would say. And he also played with some other good players on that team because he played with yeah. Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. He played with um. Didn't they have one other guy? Dwayne I'm trying Bacon, to think. maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. he had some other guys around him. So I feel like that's definitely helped in his progression. Being able to say, you know, he maybe he was the third best player on that team, but then coming to another team, he feels like he has that experience of being a leader already on a good. I think they were a third seed in the tournament last year, Seminole squad. Of course, yeah. And he was only, I think he only played three years of college ball, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so. kind of taking a look at, uh, you know, at where he's been so far in the, you know, in college and now in Westchester and then comparing that back to Trey Burke, you know, Burke was obviously in the last couple of games. I don't know. It's a small sample size. I don't know how long it's going to continue for, but Trey Burke has started to show a lot of what he showed when he was playing in the G League. Mm-hmm. He's, he's started mm-hmm. scoring bunches. He's, you know, looking like a uh, a, a proven guy who can go out and get you something out there comparing that to For Xavier sure. Rathan Mays. How do, how do you think he's going to compare in the NBA? What do you, what do you see as his like ideal role with the team? Well, in terms of Trey Burke, I see, I, I'm not sold on him completely being like a starter or a six man even yet, but I mean, he's proven that he's, he's big time when given the opportunity. Like obviously his size is something that you definitely have to be concerned about being six feet and that that's, small and the NBA level is not ideal for, for guards these days because they tend to be bigger. But I mean, he's shown he's big time. And I think if the the last like 20 or so games of the season, if he can continue to, to make shots and play aggressive defense and at least show that, that he can compete and maybe put in like 15 to 20 points a game. Like I definitely see him being an integral part of the team going forward. I mean, I'm again, I'm not sure like, he'll be like the starting point guard or a start or even like a six man off the bench. But I think he could be a very, very good um, guy to come in for like an offensive spark, kind of like a, uh, kind of like Isaiah Thomas was with the Cavs in his minimal time, you know, obviously he didn't play that well, but that's what they brought him in to do. So I think, I think he has plenty of time to keep continue to show. And I don't think yeah. he's going to go back to the G league anytime soon. I agree. If Trey Burke's going to be like Isaiah on the Cavs, we got to get him the hell out of here right yeah, away. That's, that's, that's the only part where I got a little bit of an issue. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, you're right, though. I understand what you're saying in terms of the role. Yeah, now, in terms of what they wanted him to do. Yeah. Right. To to flip it back on Westchester for a second, yeah. because I was looking up their, uh, the standings today, and they're the best team in the G League. Yep. And they also are 14-4 and four on the road and 13-10 and 10 at home. And 14 mm-hmm. wins on the road is the most in the league. I don't really know if that means anything in the G League, because I feel like a lot of the dynamics that we see in the NBA that – impact a road game where the crowd gets into it. But at the same time, you also have these guys traveling a lot and the travel's mm-hmm. the same. So do you think that's just another testament to the job that coach Miller has done for this team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, as you said, like playing on the road in a G league environment is nothing compared to playing like at Oracle arena or Chicago right. or Miami or any loud environment like that. But I mean, they still have to travel like a pretty long distance, and obviously the season is shorter. Um, but and travel just takes all these guys. These these yeah. guys are younger than us, you know. They're they're twenty one, twenty two, yeah, most of them, and they're still getting used to the grind of NBA. So to have a fourteen and four road record, 
um, with all the roster turnover and consistent constant transactions that have been going on. I think it's really impressive and it shows. Right. And we're not talking charter jets or anything here either. We're talking buses. We're talking, I feel like even more strenuous, like time on the road, which uh, to me, that makes the 14 and four road record even more impressive. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, of course they're not getting first class flights anywhere. You know they're on six hour bus rides, as you said, and they're sometimes back to backs, and it's just it's not you know it's not it's not ideal for for this league. But I mean they're going to have to get used to it if they're going to want to play in the NBA. But mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, like it's it's fourteen and four is fourteen and four. You know, depend on road road games or road game. Obviously, the degree of difficulty to play in another the Westchester County Center versus. Another arena is probably not much difference there, but I mean, it just it does show that coach has his guys motivated for the road, which is a great sign for for Trey Burke coming up and maybe XRM right. eventually. Well, yeah, so. I want to go back to uh, XRM one sec because I kind of I kind of roped it in with my uh, Trey Burke question before, but I kind of want to know about what do you see as his projection uh, in the NBA? Do you th- like you know the the whole thing with the Westchester squad that we have here is we have to be worried about teams coming in and swooping these players up. Is that is that the case with XRM? And if it is, what do you what do you see him becoming in the NBA? I think I I wrote an article about a week ago about him. I think he can probably be like a Malcolm Brogdon at best. Like I don't see him being a superstar. I can see him being an integral role player on a good team like like Brogdon is to the Bucks. You know. Um, I mean, obviously, he's not there yet, and he needs to improve in a lot of different areas and be more consistent as a player. But that's what I think his ceiling could be: is like a quality role player, maybe even a six man on a on a good team. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to fit in with the Knicks quite yet. Like, I'm not sure if he'll be in the NBA this year. I mean, I would give him a chance because why not? See what he can do a little bit. But that's what I say: he was his ceiling could be as like a Malcolm Brogdon type guy. So I was watching game i think it was last week and i didn't realize this until i was watching that the knicks have zach irvin on their team yeah (laughs) so my brain immediately said okay so zach irvin needs to be on the knicks because we already have the tim hardaway jr trey burke so the knicks need to get zach irvin they need to bring back mitch mcgarry from whatever hell scape he ended up in yeah, where is he? I have not. Uh, we need to bring John Horford. We just need let's just make this like the Michigan NBA team. That uh, that's what I need. That would be awesome, right? <laughs> I live with a couple Throw of diehard Michigan State fans, and they would not be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> uh, Michigan Michigan basketball is more fun than Michigan State. They can come at me for that one. I'll let them know. <laughs> of course. All right. Yeah. That, I was also was Oh great. I was looking at the roster too, and I didn't Realize, I thought this was weird. I don't know if you know anything more about this than I do, but that guy, Max Hooper, played a game for them this year. The guy that took 257 threes at Oakland and, and did not take a single name, two-pointer. The best name of any player of all time. I didn't know best that, name. actually. Yeah, so he played one game, and this was a guy that gained recognition in college because, like I said, he took 257 threes and did not take a two. He played on that same Oakland team that Kay Felder played on, who yeah. has been in the NBA. Like he played with the Cavs. I think he played two games for Westchester last year too. Like I don't know what he's doing. I guess they just signed him to one day contracts. Like that's the G League thing or something. <laughs> yeah, I, like earlier this season, I think he was on the team. Or when I did the opening day like projections, I think he was the only one of the only returning players on the team. But I haven't yes. seen him in any of the three games I've been to this year, and I haven't really. I didn't even know he was a. Uh, 
a big time shooter. I mean, his name probably indicates that now that I think oh, yeah. about it. But I think yeah, when I he was a really kid, looked at and him. his dad's like teaching him how to play ball. He's like, listen, your name's Hooper. You're not doing anything but shoot. I don't want to see you do anything else. <laughs> you're um, a so Hooper. You're see. a Hooper. <laughs> so one other guy <laughs> that's been around and actually got an NBA contract was Nigel Hayes. So mm-hmm. we saw him play in the summer league with the Knicks. He's been one of the you know, bigger rotational players for this squad. So what do you like about him? Do you think that he can lock down another 10 day contract down the road next year? Cause I know a lot of us have those of us that watch college basketball, remember him being on those mm-hmm. teams with Kaminsky and Decker and Bronson Koenig. So Nigel Hayes, what are your thoughts and how has he looked this year? He's definitely got the big game experience, which I think will help him like in the future if he ever makes it back to the NBA for like just the amount of time. Um, I don't see him being called up this year to the Knicks just simply because they just signed Troy Williams and that forward spot position is getting a little crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hayes is, is very good. Like I, I've seen him a few times play. He, he really knows what he's doing. He's a smart player. You know, he's not going to cost you the game. He's not going to turn the ball over excessively. Um, the one thing I would say about him though, is he's usually like the second or third offensive option on the team. Um, his, his jump shooting is okay. I mean, I wouldn't consider him a great shooter, but yep. he's tough, physical, long, and he's, he's always in there playing hard. So, I mean, nothing really stands out great about him. Like I, I understand why he's not in the NBA yet, but I mean, if he can continue to improve his shot and just continue to, I think, be more aggressive on the offensive end, I believe he'll, he can get a chance, um, like he did with the Lakers for a 10 day contract and maybe, maybe let it stick a little bit more in the NBA, yep. but as far as getting making it to the NBA this year, I just don't see like where he would potentially fit in um, on the roster that that's currently constituted. And I feel like yeah, it's a good I think thing the with... shooting was always his biggest problem, and will continue yeah. to be unless mm-hmm. he, you know, alleviates that concern. I just think yeah, it, I, I mean, feel like there's a, a a big part with the Knicks right now is that you know we were kind of ch- uh, chatting about it before that there's going to be a lot of roster evaluation after this year is over. And I, I think it's very worthwhile to have guys like, uh, you know, guys down there that, that can just, they might not fit now, but you evaluate, you look at what they can offer you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, it's your biggest tool. It's really using your farm system in the way that you should be using it now. It's, you exactly, know, someone else yeah. may swoop in and, and claim your prospect, which is kind of a, a weird uh, little scenario that the NBA has going on for it. But. You know, the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is you you now can evaluate your team's need way further in advance. Yeah, and I mean, the Knicks should be excited about like what they have down there. Like Obviously, no, not everyone on that team has NBA potential, but I mean, as from an organizational standpoint, like the coaches are having the guys play as hard as possible. And, you know, it's, it's tough not because a lot of these got most actually everyone on that team probably doesn't want to just is content with playing in the G League. You know, they want something better. They want to play in the NBA or some sort of other professional league where they can get more recognition. But, I mean, you have to be encouraged by what you've seen from from these guys continuing to have, like, the best record in the league despite losing three of their best players to the NBA. So I, I would say, like, having Nigel Hayes there as well is something that helps the team. Because I feel like if they lost Nigel Hayes and just had XRM, I think, I don't think they would be as good, nearly mm-hmm. as good as they are now. I think he's like the glue that holds the team together in terms of like defensive mentality and yep. and just grit overall. That's exciting and to see. That's that's yeah. I mean that's mm-hmm. like 
you know, I think what I'm taking away from that right there is that these guys are developing chemistry together long before they have to on an NBA court. So if you can manage to keep them together, they're only going to be that much better when they finally do make their debut. Yeah, exactly. And on a general level, it's good to see as the NBA starts to invest more in the G League that the Knicks have the best team and are clearly putting an effort into making it a priority for them. Yeah, of course. That's a promising sign. Yeah, I was listening to somebody today that the um, since all the NCAA violations and everything like that, that they might have these guys go straight to G League for a year or two, and that that's definitely having that having that foundation and that coach the coaching staff to be that successful already is something that could benefit the Knicks in the future when yep. when guys are looking to make the G League more of like a springboard to go to the NBA as opposed to just playing one year in college. You know, I think the Knicks have always been. And they've always been proactive here because when they had the Erie Bayhawks as their affiliate, I think they were one of the only teams in the league that had an official affiliate, if I'm remembering that correctly. So I think this is something Mm -hmm. that you're going to see every team have an affiliate. I think there's still four or five that don't. But that's something that I'm glad that the Knicks are investing in and something that they've already started to dip into and use as a resource. I got a funny uh, Westchester story if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, go ahead. So I was at a I was at a Knicks game, and this was the day after Langston Galloway made his NBA debut with the Knicks, and I think he had you know like 13 points. So I watched that game, and this was the really really bad Knicks team in 2014-15 that won 17 games. So that's why they ended up calling him up. But yep. so I watched, and I recognized his face because I knew him from St. Joe's because they had made the tournament. They played UConn in the first round, um, and I'm sitting there in my seat and no one is talking to this guy. He's sitting by himself. And I, I tell my boys, I was like, that's Langston Galloway right there. He played in the NBA last night and he's with the Knicks. And they, they said, no, it's not like I watched the game. That's not him. I said, I, I promise you it's him, but they basically convinced me to not go over. Cause I would have had to like walk across the court and I, I they might've like told me not to, but I really wanted to go over and like dab him up and take a picture with him. But yeah, I didn't cause I had decided that they were right. And I was like, okay, I'm just being crazy. So halftime comes around. And, uh, you know, they go, and we'd like to honor uh, Westchester Nick Langston Galloway for his NBA debut last night. And I'm looking at them like, you guys got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I could have went over and dapped this guy up, said, dude, you're awesome. You know, playing with the Knicks last night. But alas, lost my opportunity. And now I was in Detroit, so I'll never get it again. Dude, I know. I, I, I haven't forgiven myself for it yet. Maybe someday I will. If you want to go to Detroit, I can. We'll go to Detroit. I can get you to. Detroit. Want to make a road trip to Detroit? All right. Yeah, yeah Blake. That sounds good to Blake me. Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> Blake Griffin. I got all the guys. Ish Smith. We should Just give uh, me all of them. How, I'll tell you what. Come to Chicago. We'll do the next uh, next Pistons Bulls game. Uh, we'll both show up wearing Langston Galloway Knicks jerseys, and that'll he'll, he'll have to talk to us then. And then I'll tell him that story, and it would be like, "Dude, get out of my face!" Like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, "Huh." Who are you? <laughs> oh, my God. So just to – I don't know if we want to close out here, but I'm just curious. Nick, um, favorite player on this team out of everyone? I know we've talked about some, but who's the the one guy on the team that you think is – and let's include all of the two-way guys. So let's put Cornette and Hicks in there in addition okay. with everyone else. Who's your favorite guy in the squad? My favorite guy is Isaiah Hicks. I mean, I'm a I'm a North Carolina fan, so I'm a little biased in that in oh, that evaluation. But <laughs> I just think Hicks is like someone who's he really plays hard, and he's obviously he's undersized and not for a center and or power forward, whatever you want to consider him. 
I mean, he always plays hard and he always, he's a, he's a monster on the boards and he, he's actually developed a little bit of a jump shot as well, which I didn't see that much in college, but I've noticed him develop that. And I think he can be like a, um, like a solid contributor at the NBA level, not a starter. I don't think on the Knicks, but I think he could be a potential, like a, like a Jordan Bell in the Warriors. I was watching Jordan Bell tonight and he reminds me a lot of Hicks, like a little undersized for his position, but very mm-hmm. strong, very built very tenacious and I just like the way he plays like he competes on every possession and he's pretty athletic for for a dude who doesn't look too too very um, <laughs> athletic honestly but he's very he has got bounce and he's able to he's able to like power through guys who are 6'10 6'11 7 yeah. feet and he's only barely I think he's 6'8 and a half 6'9 and he's not yeah. he's not he's a big thick guy though you know what I mean like, like he's built yeah, of like course. you said, he's a strong he's, guy. He's also got big game experience as well, which I I put a lot of stock into. So yes. yeah, Isaiah, he had four and four tonight. He had a nice dunk. Yeah, he was good. He got some, he got some minutes tonight, which is good. Hopefully, he can get some more. You know. Yeah, and that's another reason why I think Nigel Hayes kind of becomes someone that doesn't make a lot of sense for the Knicks. I don't really know how you can have Hayes and Hicks on the same team. Like, exactly. I, do they play together a lot in Westchester? Because I imagine they're they're two of the best players. I would imagine they play together a lot. That's got to be a bit of a strange fit, no? Yeah, I mean, they had corn when I first couple of games. They had Cornette and Hicks play together, which is which yeah. works better than that Hayes, makes more sense. But yeah, they would they would put in like Jordan Enriquez, the former Kansas State guy, as like a third yes. third big man, like, and then put they used to have Trey Burke and and Hayes at the guard. It was it was kind of strange, and they put Billy Garrett in as the guard, but he like mixed up the lineups a lot. But I never really saw. Hayes and, and Hicks working together, you know, it was kind of like they were, it was a crowded, small forward, powerful, yeah. awkward, you know, trainer right. position. But, but yeah, I mean, having, having Hicks at the NBA level is going to help him out a lot. And who knows, maybe he'll, he can be a contributor off the bench, like eventually, or maybe even this season. So like mm-hmm. we, like we were saying for basically the entire podcast tonight, you know, we have all of this season, we have all of next season to experiment. You know, I, I have no expectations going in. I'm willing to try out any of these G League guys. Yeah. And you know, just it's just just throwing it to the wind. We'll see what sticks. Exactly. That's all you can do at this point is just hope to find a hidden gem, you know? Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen the incredibly acclaimed animated movie Zootopia? I've not seen it. I haven't. They close it with a Shakira song called Try Everything. That's the next jam for the next two years. There we go. I can get behind Also, you guys gotta see that movie. Today. Like come on. Yeah, no, I, I'm great movie. that for sure. It's like the process, except try anything for the next, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite <laughs> of the process in that we don't really expect there to be anything until KB comes back. Like it, It's not even a, a process, because at least the process had a blueprint. This is just, you know, the, the chaos. I like that. Yes. I like try anything. <laughs> it's got a ring to it. And I've always, yeah, we gotta, always we got to make that chaos. stick somehow. That's you the know? thing, yeah. Yeah, we'll make that stick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, you got anything else to say on Westchester tonight? Uh, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, hopefully they can they can do some damage in the uh, playoffs this year. You know, finish out season strong. I'm gonna try to get to another game. I know the season's a little short in March, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a pleasure to watch them. You know, it's they've been a pleasant surprise, and I didn't honestly didn't think they would continue this this torrid stretch without Burke and Hayes and Hicks going up and down and Cornette going up and down. So look, man, I mean, got, yeah, there's got to be some light to watch. somewhere. There's got to be yeah. some light somewhere. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Something's got to Yeah, I always say, like, why go, why spend money on the Knicks when you can go to the Westchester Knicks for <laughs> That's the best marketing the pitch I think they've ever heard. Yes. Now, when do the playoffs start? Is that soon? 
I believe it's March 23rd. Okay, so they got yeah, you know, so let, a couple weeks left the game. Definitely, but gotcha. Cool. Something right, to watch yeah. for. Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead and plug yourself before we get you out of here? You can find me at at Nikki Skulls 23. Alrighty, and you're you just published an article on the nickswall.com. Uh, yep. All about the uh, can you can you give me the uh, the quick two seconds the two sentence line on this? Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the recap or the Knicks uh, Westchester. Give me the, give me your Westchester take. Yeah, just real quick, I just did a quick quick evaluation of the Westchester Knicks. Just talked about XRM and um, a little bit about Coach Miller and how he deserves a lot of credit for being able to um, continue this hot stretch without with constant roster turnover and everything like that. So, if I, I remember, mean, yeah, it's very impressive. I would de- check it out and. Hopefully you'll get another one from me this year. I'll try to get there one more time. I, Absolutely. If I remember correctly, that article's got a pretty uh, pretty good-looking graphic on it, too. Yeah, shout-out to our graphics team. <laughs> shout-out to me who made that one. Shout-out um, to you. <laughs> Tune the zone over here. I didn't know right. if it was just you, so I didn't want to specify just you. But No, I know, I know. I feel you. No, <laughs> all right, uh, so go read that from Nick. Uh, we should uh, throw that on the timeline tomorrow. I'm sure we will. Um, and while you're at it, go check out all the other fantastic pieces on nickswall.com or Warrior Recap. Uh, should be up by the time you hear this, if it's not up right now. And should be up there. Yeah, make it sure. is up. Can confirm. Can confirm. Make sure you're listening to the uh, the Nickswall podcast as well as the Off the Wall podcast. By the way, everyone, we're still doing the TKW uh, merch giveaway. I'm just waiting for Kyle to get back on the show, and we're going to announce the winner. So hold tight on that. Get your submissions in still while you can, and then we'll randomize them and all that. Um, Nick's Film School, I was doing huge, huge stuff. We got our weekly posts, like the Monday Musings column. It's great for you to catch up after the weekend. And Lordy, I think that might be it for today. So Matt, Saturday College Hoops. Oh, oh, oh I'm, God damn, I'm so sorry. We also, this man takes time to plug himself. About making a graphic, but won't even throw me one bone. Unbelievable. All right, go ahead, go ahead. I should just be letting you do this whole thing because you edit like half the articles for the site anyway. So. <laughs> so I wrote Monday Musings today about Trey Burke, Moutier, and Neil Aquina. I talked about what can expect going forward. And I also mentioned some about draft picks for the Knicks because that's something that we're transitioning into as March rolls around and the NCAA tournament starts to heat up. I've done it for the past three Saturdays where I basically just pick four or five prospects to cover during that day, run some clips for them, uh, engage with you guys about what to expect. So this past Saturday, I looked at Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. I looked at Wendell Carter from Duke and Colin Sexton from Alabama. We have the last weekend of regularly scheduled college hoops this Saturday, so I should be back at it. And then after that, we got conference tournaments, which is even better. And then after that, we've got the NCAA tournament, which brace yourselves. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. That's Matterdays, folks. That's Matterdays. It's out here. We out. day of the week. And I'm excited because I do think that this lottery offers a lot of potential for the Knicks so we can see another light at the end of the tunnel and see if we can enjoy some college hoops at the same time. Excellent. All right. Uh, Matt? Nick, thank you guys for hanging out. And thank we'll you. Right. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye, fellas. All right, take care, fellas. Good night.